0: Block TALK RADIO Will your life insurance company pay you 70% to 90% of your policy's face value should you suffer a qualifying chronic illness or critical injury? Ours will. If you answered no, go to www.getstartedwithlivingbenefits.com and request a brochure on Understanding Life Insurance with Living Benefits. Visit GetStartedWithLivingBenefits.com today and get covered. Terms and conditions may apply. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. All black, all news, all you. We're changing the way Chicago communicates with the world. CBBN Business Journals, weekdays at 11 a.m. CST. The Tough Questions, weekdays at noon. To listen now, visit Chicago's Chicago'sBlackBusinessRadioNetwork.com. Sonia Cassandra Perdue, executive producer.
1: Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all
0: news, all you. School choice. Choice allows parents to select the best educational fit for their children. Almentia Academy is a year-round premier pre-K through 12 online school with a fully accredited STEM curriculum. Almentia Academy has more than 250 courses, including programs for homeschooling, College readiness and online tutoring. Want the convenience and flexibility of educating your children at home? Then visit us today at AlmentiaAcademy.com, where the learning never stops.
1: Good morning, Chicago. Good morning. Welcome to CBBN Business Journal on the Chicago Black Radio Network. I'm Cassandra Perdue, your host for this segment. And that's a produce. Although you will see. Broadcast listed on our show page. I have not personally aired a show on this network since February 22nd, and as we know, the world is certainly a place now, isn't it? But uh, we're going to do a special broadcast, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. We have been hosting a number of Zoom conversations. We've done some live broadcasts from Facebook. Or so if you want to connect it, simply join our Chicago's Black. Facebook to stay updated. This decade is certainly gonna stand out in the realm of history a number of years. and as well as the sixties and seventies did in regards to the black power movement in the United States and uh different parts of the world. As a matter of fact, I myself was very young during that time and if I'm not really a historic a historian or a study of history. I'm missing uh, the input for for that area. Okay, so I found this book, Rising, "Voices from Chicago's Black Struggle, 1960 to 1975," published by Third World Press, Chicago, and by and by Mr. Useni Perkins, and the reason, as I said, that it was a, to me, I was very young, okay, and I have not been a study of history, and, and reading this book and looking at some of the articles and pieces in it, it, gives, it just gives you a better understanding of what's going on in Chicago what, uh, by, based on what was going on then, sort of cause and effect. It gives you a better understanding and builds a foundation for what's going on today, because it is a foundation. Okay, so like I said, look at this as a historic experience for myself, and I want to share that journey with you. The book contains different essays and articles uh, from people, many of them still with us today, and that makes it an historical gem. And we have a guest with us today who contributed to the book. Dr. Amara Davis is our guest today on CBBN Business Journal. She's going to share with us a little detail, a few details about her contribution. It's entitled, Give the Drummer Some Rhythm, Solution and Chicago Sun Drummer. If you were not familiar with the Chicago Sun Drummer, you will be after today, the and then you can go about and maybe become part of the drumming community here in Chicago, or wherever you may be, okay? Dr. Davis has a PhD, the specialty in educational policy studies from the University of Illinois, she has been part of the drumming community for more than 30 years. She is involved in a number of other things, including being an author and an artist. Let's find out a little bit more about Dr. Davis. We want to welcome her to the show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Davis. Uh, thank
2: you very much for having me today. And just a correction: her first name is Amira. Amira Davis.
1: Amira. Okay, Amira. Yes. I said Amira. Amira, okay. Uh uh-huh. That's A-M-I-R-A? Yes. Okay. Amira. All right. Um, right. Dr. Davis, tell us a little bit about you. Did you grow up in Chicago? Are you Chicagoan? Tell us, give us a little no. background. On you.
2: Chicago is my adopted home. Actually, my parents lived here um, in the shortly before I was born, my father worked on the railroad, but then they moved to Kansas City, Missouri. That's where I was born. I came here in um, 1980, and um, like I said, I, I feel like this is my adopted home.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Now, how did it, how did it come about that you would this
2: piece for this particular book? Well, I had um I was actually at a conference about educating black children and I uh encountered Dr., I mean um, Baba Usini Perkins there and he told me he was putting together an anthology about the black power of black, black arts movement and um I was living in Champaign Urbana at the time and working on uh graduate degrees I had um, taken a class on African-American social movements, interview uh, a couple of the men who were a part of the Sun Drummer that, you know, one one person has been instrumental in my life for a long time and um, actually introduced me to African drum and dance when I was a student at the University of Missouri in Columbia. He was living there and bought Muntu Dance Theater, um, the... Um, the originator um, of Iowa Talbert, Talbot and some of the uh, drummers there for a week-long workshop. That was my introduction to drum and dance. And so when I moved here, I um, became involved in that community and um, saw a shake array, which is a gourd with beads on it, and immediately fell in love with that instrument and uh, started playing. And um, over time, I found out that, the Sun drummer were instrumental in um, bringing the drum culture here to uh, Chicago. And women who worked with them, um, or even just came through the ranks and wanted to participate in music making in the drum and dance culture, they primarily played shake array. Uh, some played shake array and bell, but not too many women played drums at the time. So I wanted to memorialize these men because really all of what I do even now uh, through the Sun Drummer in some kind of way. So I met with three of the men who were original members of the Sun Drummer. I interviewed them. And then um, I wrote a paper for this class about them. And so when I went into uh, Babu Lusini, and he told me about it. I said, you know, I think that this would be a really good contribution to add to um, your anthology. Wonderful, wonderful.
1: Uh, with us today is Dr. Davis, and she's her piece on the Chicago summer as part of the Black movement of the 60s and 70s here in Chicago. Now, for our audience give us your definition, you know, some up for us. How can you can define the uh conscious movement, a black arts movement, or black power movement of that
2: period? Well, like you, I was um well, I was a teen and I was fortunate enough in Kansas City to be at a high school where my English teacher uh was very much interest in the black arts movement. So here introduced us to a lot of the poets and artists of that period. And um, we had uh, a black history teacher who introduced us to the political side of that. So uh, while I wasn't necessarily active in it, uh, one of the, um, I was writing poetry and my English teacher gifted me with uh, Nikki Giovanni's first album And, you know, just started uh, my love of uh, poetry and protest poetry or protest art generally. And I read a lot of the artists of that time Sonia Sanchez and um, uh, Amir Baraku, who was Leroy Jones at the time, Haki Matabutu, who was, you know, Don L. Lee. So, you know, I just got really involved in the artistic side of it, but at the same time, I was reading Franz Fanon and um, a lot of the the uh, books from the political education program of the Black Panther Party. Um, interestingly, when I started working on this uh, piece for the Sun Drummers and interviewed those three men, I found out that they had also been politically involved. Some of a couple of them had. Uh, worked with, um, worked, worked in the Black Panther Party here in Chicago. And um, another one had been a part of another political movement of the time. So they blended their politics with, uh, with their music. And I, I know for the two of them that had been involved with the BPP, when Fred Hampton died, they kind of just switched over and were primarily musicians. But by them restoring the drum culture here, uh, it was part of a growing restoration or reclamation of the drum that was happening around the country. Uh, African liberation movements uh, were going on, and so there was a free free flow of knowledge between the continent and here, uh, as well as... um, uh, Baba Olatunji uh Oletunji, I'm sorry. Baba Tundi Olatunji. Uh with the drums of passion. He actually came here uh to go to Morehouse and was at Morehouse when Martin Luther King was there. Uh so he played drums uh at some of the movements and I believe I read uh he even played uh uh just just in um general, behind different kind of civil rights activities that were going on at the time, um, at the same time, the brother that the uh, sound drummers i too Harold Murray he was in New York studying and um, said he had played drums while Malcolm X was on his soapbox on in, on the corners of harlem so there was a definite marriage between drums and uh, political activity, but the drum has always been a, a source of social communal, communal activities on the continent. Unfortunately, when we were forcibly migrated here, um, after a certain time, the colonizer realized the power of the drum, and there were laws created that banned the playing of drums. Um, I, I cite one in my article, where I think it was a Virginia statute that said that anyone uh, caught with a drum would suffer severe severe penalties because they felt like the language of the drum could communicate uh, rebellion. And of course, the drum is a um, a tool of communication. And because of the loud sound, it communicates across uh, distances. Even on the continent, when I do shows in the um, in the schools using drums, I talk about um, how drums were used to communicate, maybe say hello to a nearby village, or even communicate uh, war. So uh, they were right to fear the drum for its communicative powers. However, uh, that led to Uh, the suppression of drums for over 100 years. I mean, of course, we're creative people. We figured out ways to uh, have rhythm, stomping our feet, clapping our hands, getting our hands off our bodies. Um, The only place that drums uh, persisted uh, for any number of years uh, before slavery ended was in New Orleans in Congo Square, and that's still a sacred space now. Uh, where drummers continued to meet, but um, during the early 1800s, after um, the French came and the Louisiana Compromise, they allowed enslaved Africans every Sunday off so that they could go and do whatever they wanted to do, and so there was a marketplace at Congo Square where um, Africans, enslaved Africans, could sell their merchandise, sell excess produce that they created, or or handmade items. And they also played music and danced. So that's where the drums were allowed to uh, maintain, and that's where we get a lot of our uh, original black music, jazz, blues, uh, from uh, New Orleans. But in the 60s, when uh, Africans from uh, Guinea and um, Obatundi was from uh, Obatunde, Baba Obatundi was from uh, Nigeria they started coming over and bringing their knowledge of the drums and so more people started studying with them and um, that's actually how uh, Baba Atu he was in New York so one African American in particular who is known for teaching most of us uh the drum and even shake a because he was my godfather, uh, Chief Bay, James Hawthorne Bay. Uh, he was from Brooke, in Brooklyn. He actually told me one time to my surprise that he learned to drum from a woman in South Carolina. So he was taught by a woman in the early twenties um, or thirties. So there is a history of women drummers. However, uh, once men started playing the drums again, it would be a while before women were accepted as drummers.
1: Well, welcome to Dr. Davis, and we're discussing her piece on the Chicago Sun drummer as part of the movement of the 60s and 70s here in Chicago. I'm your host, Sonia Cassandra Perdue, and this is in the CDBN Business Journal like to be a guest or a sponsor of the show, simply give me a call seven seven three six nine twenty two twenty six. You did say you said a number of things, but you did say once and that you were as teenager in high school had someone to influence to be influenced uh you and introduce you to the black movement, uh people who were poor and artists and those type of things. Well, as one of the reasons I was attracted, one of the reasons, just one of the reasons, is very important. Uh, these anthologies and uh, our history is that many people, many more than we even want to imagine, do not have those influences. Okay, so they miss that entire part of their life. Okay, my people were part; of it. they were not interested in the civil rights movement or or any other kind of movement. Okay. Um, they were, yes, they, did. and they had their families, but that's not what they did. So they were not the people who expo, expose me to. Them. But uh, in my school, they did not. They did not. One person did a little bit during grammar school and high school. They did the best they could, try to do a tip and complete degrees, you know. But. That was not who they were, and this is, why, this is why this is very, very important. And I'm taking this journey now, you know, to we'll run from history. I don't like history. I don't want to study history. No, no, no. There's more to it than that. Now, if you could, Dr. Davis, um, what does the drumming community look like now in Chicago? Oh. It's uh,
2: it's very vibrant. It. uh You know it's multi-gender, multi-ethnic. The primary form of drumming that is in the accompanies the dance is from Guinea, and um, the djembe drum. So we have uh, men who initially, as I said, when I started wanting to play the drums, I wanted to play congas and um, that was what the sun drummers started with, and they re them as what uh, Baba Tu called earth drums. And then they um, gradually, as more artists from the continent started coming over, um, they were introduced to gym based And I think um, uh, Catherine Dunham had a lot to do with this with her workshop in East St. Louis. So uh, as people became more familiar with, um, with different cultural uh, traditions out of different parts of Africa. For whatever reason, the djembe was the drum that came and took hold. So now we have djembe orchestras, and uh, we have a group of dynamic women here in Chicago, although I uh, was in the Atlanta area for a while, and there's also a group of women drummers there uh, led by uh, Sister O'Melica here in uh, Chicago's uh, young daughter, um, I, Tasha Austin, leads a group called I O D E L I, which is all women uh, playing jimbees and dununs and dancing as they play. So uh, from the 70s when uh, the men who were with Baba two and there were about seven men at the time that developed the Sun Drummer, and some women would play bail with them. From that period, this has really grown into a much larger thing. When I came here in 80, I, um, I started working with a group of women. We were playing shakeaways. We were going to the schools with uh, urban gateways and go and, and do a performance. I called it Africa to America, the beat goes on. And as a artist and educator, my Purpose in doing that was precisely what you just said—to expose uh, young audiences to African and African American culture, because the schools do such a poor job of translating our history and culture, or even introducing uh, children to that. Um, We we are all taught Eurocentric ideas, and from that perspective, and very uh, except for Black History Month, which was a time where black artists here uh, in Chicago area really worked like uh, slaves because all schools wanted to get some kind of African culture in their schools for that particular month. And I would always have to say our our history and culture is 365, 66, 24, 7. So um, this is not something that we should relegate to uh, just one month we have to be very cognizant of passing that on. So fortunately, we do have a lot of um, opportunities. Now, our children have a lot of opportunities. Uh, These uh, artists perform at cultural events, street festivals, opportunities to learn, see, be exposed to the drum. And uh, I taught my daughter, I have five daughters, and all but one of them, and I have a son. So all that one of my children has performed with me, uh, we've gone into the schools um, and libraries and places uh, with the drums and, and just folklore. And um, uh, one of the last performances I had, my oldest daughter is a lawyer now. And, uh, you know, she started playing with me when she was in high school, Shake Array and the Doonals. And um, my youngest daughter is now working on her master's degree at NYU. Uh, our last performance together was um, at Krannert, uh Center for Performing Arts in Urbana at the University of Illinois. Um, me and th- three of my daughters did that performance. So I taught my children, and now uh, my home has drums in it, and I have grandchildren here. And so um, I heard them playing the drums last night. So, you know, just everything has just opened up so much since um, the early 70s.
1: That's wonderful. That's
2: wonderful. If
1: you could, uh, when we complete the show, if you can put resources on the show page, there's room for comments down there so that people listening will know where to find those resources if they wish to become involved, okay? Okay. Um, sure, sure. If you could, now, Dr. Davis, uh, tell us a little bit about your work and what you're doing. And I said you have a book. Tell us a little bit
2: about your work. Well, I had taught um, black history uh, at Richland and the, the University of Illinois in Champaign, as well as at Eastern. And uh, since since that time, I have and I did a postdoc in uh, London, looking at supplementary Saturday schools, uh, because I think that for African American children and even you know parents who didn't have the um, access to history and culture, I think of an intergenerational literacy program meeting on Saturdays. So I did a a pilot of a community Saturday school. Where kids learned, um, used history books at their appropriate age level to learn a little bit about their history. And it also had a component for the mothers who brought them there. So I've been wanting to, since I returned to Illinois after a brief time in Georgia, wanting to recreate a Saturday school program that was multi generational, that offered literacy and arts for children and adults. So I've been. Uh, substituting in schools just to kind of get an idea of what's going on in the schools. Uh, As I said, supplementary Saturday schools, as I found in uh, London, offer families opportunities for their children to learn in a more comfortable environment, learn the basics, Um, but they also have a component for culture where um, the family can be involved in cultural activities like music, like dance or arts. And my um, pilot had that for children. Um, After they did reading, uh, in the afternoon, they branched off, and students who were interested in photography took a photography class with my youngest daughter. Those that were interested in drumming, uh, I had an instructor for that. There was visual arts, and there was also creative writing. I would like to replicate that here uh, and offer those different uh, programs, but also expand it again for mothers, you know, our children are being raised by um, a, a large percentage of our children are raised by single mothers. And I, I found that art and creativity has a way of, uh, one is therapy, and it's uh, it's about a growth mindset. So um, one of the things I also do is I'm a crafter. I make jewelry. I started doing that after working with a researcher here in Chicago uh, with women who are in Inglewood living in violence, I reason that because crafting is a calming therapeutic activity, these mothers might uh, want to do something uh, with their hands and so everybody likes to adorn themselves so jewelry what, jewelry making was the um, the tool for that so I currently i craft I sell my products I've written a book about uh, Africana mothering, which is um, throughout the diaspora, the continent and the African diaspora, the issues that face black mothers. Um, and I talk about single motherhood. I talk about uh, the need to restore villages for these women. I talk about crafting as a therapeutic tool for women living in poverty and violence. I also talk about researching the black community and um, those kinds of things. Uh, the use of the drum as a therapeutic tool, playing Shake Ray as uh, therapy as well. So that's what I am currently involved in. And, um, you know, some of the things I touch on in my book, I use the history of uh, black women, uh, well-known black women, to uh, talk about these subjects.
1: That's wonderful. Um, And we don't have people doing what you do (laughs) because everything that you've indicated and everything that you you shared is 10,000 more times, you know. Uh, Heal us and to uh, educate us and to prepare the women, like you say, in that Englewood area, but educated women because, as you know, a lot of us, we are miseducated. We don't have the rounded out type education we should have, but we're doing okay. We're doing okay, and we're coming up. But all of that is part, it rounds us out as a people, okay? And uh, I want to thank you so much today for being with us, Dr. Davis. And if you have some contact information, please add that to uh, comments on the page as well. This is your page, and you can add any comments that you wish and to, to share it and comments. We sure appreciate you being here with us. I guess the, uh, Dr. Davis, she has a piece called I'm uh, trying to find the, uh, the, the, the Chicago Sun Drummer Drum song. Our, our book Rise Up Phoenix Voices from the Chicago's Voices from Chicago's Black Struggle 1960 to 1975. It is exceptional. It is an exceptional book. I'm not sure how I came to that article first, and uh, my plate is full. But I got I got through it. It was you know it was the right size. It was it was very well written, and uh, I learned a lot, a lot. and lot from that article today. If I start looking at it, because sometimes when I read, there are a lot of branches to a, a lot of other things coming out the article as well that I highlighted and think about and wanted to take a look at. So I want to thank you again for being
2: with us. Did you have a final remark? I just uh, really appreciate uh, you reaching out to me and being able to, you know, talk a little bit about the the work I do and have done and uh, being able to give the brothers a shout out. I'm currently working on a essay for Northwestern University, a publication that they plan to have out, in 21 or 22, uh, and that deals with uh, the dance, uh, Darlene Blackburn and her association with the, the drummers uh, in this community. So I'm extending on that work uh, to bring in um, the history of uh, the dancers here in Chicago. Thank you so much, Dr. Davis. I want
1: to remind you, all of you, that this has been CBBN Business Journals, as you know, anyone who has listened to us over the past 10 years, you know that all of our shows are dedicated to keeping the memory of Mayor Harold Washington on the minds and in the hearts of our people. How do you remember Harold Washington? To sponsor a show, to be a guest on CBBN Business Journals, give us a call at 773-609-2226. If you would possibly like to host your own show on our network, Give us a call, 773-609-2226. You can listen to all of our shows and our archives at Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Thank you so much for being with us today. Enjoy your day, Dr. Davis. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day. Thank
2: you. Bye.